Are you over there? Yeah, you. You were now tuned in to the Kitchen Couch Podcast with Nathan Nice. Kitchen Couch. Where you stir it, mix a little ice. Or you want the brutal topics, bro. You want the topics that, that radio don't even allow. You want the topics that Illuminati might get scared about. And then juice a couple lemons. And then throw a splash of that. Man, you super late. My fault, family. I just, I had to get something to eat. I am blessed. I am blessed. I am blessed. God is good. God is good. God is good. Man, you tuning in to the Kitchen Couch Podcast with Nathan Nice, a.k.a. Light Skin Bourdain, also known as Gumbo Root, also known as Russian Black. Right now, we're speaking with uh, Chef DeArthur, cool guy, glad to be able to sit down with the actual chef and uh, chop it up and go back and forth on some of these some of these issues and just uh, tells a good story about life, travel, originally from Memphis, so yeah, tune in, questions, comments, concern, at Nathan Nice, N-A-T-H-I-N. N-I-C-E at the kitchen couch he's self-explanatory how that's spelled uh, and this is Chef DeArthur uh, Chef underscore D-A-R-T-H-U-R so yeah thanks for tuning in yo what's good what's good this is Nathan Nice and I'm on the kitchen couch the curtain is closed so it's time to get this shit going uh, right now, I'm with my homie, uh, amazing chef, from what I could tell. Um, tell him a little, what's your name? Say what's up, brother. What's going on, going on, everyone? My name is Desmond Robinson, also known as Chef D. Arthur. Um, I'm a personal chef, private chef, catering owner, food blogger, recipe developer. Pretty much, um, if it has something to do with food, I'm either doing it or trying to figure out how to do it. And, um. Uh, that is me professionally in the nutshell. I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, born and raised, 901. And now I am in Brooklyn, New York, um, just having fun and cooking along the way. Okay, okay. So Memphis, Tennessee, man, that's a, man, I ain't never been to Tennessee. I've been to the South, but I ain't never been to Tennessee. Uh, growing up in Tennessee. I know, no, no, we, we're planning on going down there. A lot of people say we should uh, move down there because it's kind of up and coming real good, especially... Memphis and surrounding areas, um, but how would you say that like Memphis influenced you, um, just you and your personality and like food as well? Well, me and my personality, Memphis is a um, a city based off of love and family and good energy, and so those things are who I I, I become in a nutshell. Like if you can, Memphis is one of those places. It's truly a southern city where like you could be at the grocery store and you're going to bump into someone you know and you have to speak. Uh, Memphis is one of those places where you're trying to leave somewhere but you bump into someone you know and you have to speak. And so it's that type of energy. It's just very kindred. It feels like family everywhere you go. Um, you could be in the middle of a crowded club and, and know so many people and it just feels like family. Um, Memphis is also a very, very talented city, and that's from food culture to musicians to 
uh, fashion, you know, we don't get a lot of spotlight, but people, the talented in Memphis is insanely ridiculous. Um, and so you have to, you know, know what you're doing and be good. And so I've gotten a lot of that from Memphis, being very, very competitive and making sure that I, I know what I'm doing out here since I'm doing it on such a high platform. Right. So, like, uh, how what would you say, like, the um, the, the food culture is in, like, in Memphis? So, right now, the food culture in Memphis is so broad. Um, there's so many different things. There's a lot of pop-up scenes going on right now, which I'm a participant in. A lot of people creating events, creating event spaces, creating private dinner parties, creating supper clubs, creating, like, one-night-only dining type of experiences. So, that's a really, really big trend in Memphis right now people creating those types of spaces. Um, of course, we're known for barbecue, and I don't think that's ever going to go anywhere. I think that's going to always be a trend in the city. So there's that. Um, I think we're known for all of the traditional Southern uh, cuisine, so everything from, you know, your fried catfish to your macaroni and cheese to your, uh, basically anything you would eat on a holiday, we, we can make it, probably can make it just as good or as So, so did you get your um, your your uh, your sea legs as a chef uh, in Memphis, or did you kind of move around and and uh, and like I don't know where did you where did you start cooking and what what made you or uh, where where did you start your culinary career? So I started my culinary career right in Memphis, almost through the pop up scene that I was telling you about. Um, I really really wanted to be a chef. Always wanted to be a chef my entire life. I just kind of gravitated to it naturally as a kid. And uh, But there was little information about culinary school and all of that type of things back when I was younger. And so I ended up going to the University of Memphis to get a you know traditional degree, graduated from college, had a job that I hated. Well, at that point, culinary schools were on every channel, uh, commercials anyway, and there's information and you have the internet. So now the information is there to go to culinary school. So I decided I hate this job. I'm done with college. I'm going to quit this job. I'm going to move go to culinary school so that's when I moved to Atlanta I went to culinary school but I was only there for one quarter and the reason why I was only there for one quarter is because it was too expensive mm, um, mm-hmm. but it sparked it, it kind of sparked the fire in me I always wanted to be a chef and I saw you know the chef uniforms and I got to see the kitchen and all of you know got a nice kit so I was excited I just couldn't afford it so I went to grad school that was free and I came back to Memphis and I worked at the University of Memphis for a while but that chef thing kept poking it just was poking at me, and it wouldn't relent. I would be, uh, I was a counselor at the University of Memphis, so I would be talking to students. They could be talking about anything. Like, my physics teacher hates me, and that's why I'm failing. And the whole time you're talking about it, I'm thinking about this recipe I want to create later. And so the chef thing just wouldn't leave me alone, and so I, I started to get frustrated about it, actually. And so I was talking to a frat brother of mine who lived out in L.A. that's like, man, I really want to be a chef, but I don't know how to do it. I tried culinary school. It was too expensive. I can't really afford to start as a line cook or a dishwasher and work my way up to the top because I have very grown man bills and I can't sustain my lifestyle off of that. And so I just I don't have any restaurant experience. I don't have any culinary experience technically. I was only in culinary school for one quarter. I just don't know how to get into this industry. And he said, there's a girl I want you to talk to. She's uh, an AKA spellman. She's a good friend of mine. She's 
quit her really good corporate job out here in LA and she's catering all over the place. She's catering for movie sets and all kind of stuff and she sounded just like you a couple of years back. I'm going to connect you two. So she connected us and we talked on the phone one day in my office and I'll never forget it. Her advice to me was like, you know, everywhere you go, cook something. If somebody invites you to watch a basketball game at their house, cook something. If your friends are having a baby shower, even if they already have it handled, bring some food. Everywhere you go, bring some food. Because eventually, people will become to know you as that guy who can cook very, very well. And I don't really know what will manifest from that, but something will eventually come of this. So that's where you start. You don't know where to start. Start there. Just start doing it for free, anywhere you can do it. Make sure you do a good job. Eventually, something will come And if I get off the phone with her, and I'm so hyped. I'm ready now. I'm like ready right now. Right. And so at that time, a friend had a pop-up shop, a fashion pop-up shop in Memphis. And I called him. I was like, yo, do you have a caterer for your event? He was like, no, I don't really have the budget for that. You can do it if you want to, but I can pay. And I was like, I'll do it completely free. I really just want the experience. Uh, He's like, cool. I'm not going to away anybody's free food. Right. So he let me cater. I went to Tumblr and created like shake website it was really just a blog page i went to walmart and got cheap tablecloths i went to uh vista print and got some business cards made for really really cheap they were like maybe 15 dollars for 500 business cards or something crazy like that and i made lasagna cupcakes uh for the people at that event for the first time and what happened was people were so impressed it was a hit it was such a hit because I didn't make anything normal or standard. I made something that they hadn't really heard before. I made sure that it was presented well, and people loved it. And so what happened was people took those cheap business cards and actually used them. People thought that I was a legitimate catering company, and really I wasn't even striving to be a caterer. I just wanted – I don't know what my goal was. I just wanted to cook something for people. I wanted to present work. I wanted to get into the industry somehow, and that was just – the first step and people bought into it and so what happened was somebody would call let's say if it was 100 people at that event and 40 of them took business cards maybe 15 of them actually called and of that 15 maybe two or three of those actually turned into events and so then you put to those smaller events and they have large audiences at them and those people are impressed and they take your card and eventually it just kind of spiraled out of control and I had a full Ass catering company before I knew it. Mm. That, that's man. I, I mean, I respect that grind. That's that real, you know, ground floor grind right there. You know, fake it till you make it, and you know somebody's gonna yeah. see your vision, and you, you don't gotta tell nobody nothing. And it's crazy because um, I was talking to my sister, and she has a, a bow tie business, and I was just okay. telling her that um, you know I think us as black folks, a lot of time we want to make sure everything's perfect before we release it. But I'm like, not everybody does that. You know, a lot of people just release it and then they they take the critique and then they go home and fix it, put it back out there, take the critique, come home, put it back out there, you know. And uh, I don't know. I think a lot of times we don't need to necessarily wait till everything's perfect. Just, you know, guns blazing. Sometimes you have to take that leap. Um, And you have to, a lot of times, actually, you have to take that leap before everything's in place. And uh, I'm truly a testament of that because even, you know, every, 
there's several points in within my journey where um, it was time to take the next step. It was time to take the next leap. And oftentimes, nothing was ready to go. Nothing was prepared. But I took the leap of faith every time, and it did not fail to mm. Ain't he good? <laughs> Ain't, won't he do it? <laughs> All right. Don't get, don't get me started. <laughs> Man, so, I mean, that's, that's really interesting because when I look at your plates, um, I... I I kind of came up the same kind of way. Um, I wanted to go to culinary school initially. Well, I mean, initially I wanted to be a, a rapper or like some type of poet or maybe a ghostwriter. And I, I mean, I still have okay. that in my back pocket, but I'm kind of like a, I like to have my hand in different pots. But I noticed that I always like cooking and I, I felt like I could take it a little bit more seriously than a music career because I'm actually bringing something uh, tangible to the table and actual skill. And so uh, I took that skill and kind of bounced around for about 10 years in Seattle, um, you know, and I landed at a place, a French restaurant. I only worked there for a year, but it kind of got me into the more, you know, how to play um, just French culinary technique and French plating and stuff. And I kind of took um, after that, I kind of took a lot of a uh, little bit of this, a little bit of that from restaurants that were Japanese um, Mexican, um, Italian. So I kind of took a little bit of technique from everywhere and not kind of just do it at home. Um, but when I see your plates, I, even though you say you didn't go to culinary school, I see like a French with like Southern, uh, like a lot of Southern heritage in it, but I'd see like a lot of French technique in there. Uh, is that specific or you kind of just like know what you're doing at this point? Um, I've been intentional about picking up things as I, I've gone along. And so I recognized early that I was good at certain things. And so I made sure that I, I mastered those things and presented them well. Um, but at the point that it was time for me to grow and develop, I, I was intentional about hanging around people who had the knowledge that I wanted. So, for example, I had different friends who did go to culinary school and had the full experience that... I'm picking up technique from them. I'm learning terminology from them. I'm learning um, plating from them. And then I had a, another homeboy that I'm, I'm really close with. He didn't go to culinary school, but worked under some really, really renowned chefs in different places all over the country. And so when he was in Memphis, we were sharing a kitchen. And so I'm learning, I really learned a lot about plating directly from him. And so just um, not being intimidated to say that I don't know these things, you know these things, like, what's up? Um, right, And right. not saying, like, not, you know, being in a position to, like, learn from people and not being so, like, because at that point, at one point, my reputation had already kind of started to become, like, oh, he's this pop and shift kind of thing, but I still didn't know a lot. And so just being in a position to say, you know, you know, forget Instagram and all these followers and stuff like that. I recognize I still need to learn X, Y, Z. I recognize I still need to be better at X, Y, Z. So putting my position, putting myself in position to, to learn those things and, and being, being actual humble to say, I know these people on the internet think I'm popping like this, but I need to learn these things. And, and be, putting yourself in a position to learn. Mm. And so that's kind of over time just learning as I went along from the people around me, using the free resources that are out there, like the internet has so much. You don't really have to go because the internet has so much. You can, um, there was there was a, a chef in Atlanta who had an amazing catering company, and I asked him, could I just drive to Atlanta and shadow him? 
and so he let me shadow his catering company so I was able to see like some of the business techniques inside of things and I also was able to uh, sit in the kitchen and see some of his chefs do magical things and so just every step of the process or every you know just always putting yourself in a position to learn even now that I'm significantly better than when I started I'm always you know trying to put myself in a spot to pick up some things from different people whether it's the internet whether it's books blogs magazines wherever you can always learn right. that's where a lot of my technique came from just going to a restaurant and seeing how something was plated and taking a picture of it um, seeing something on the Food Network and saying, I'm going to recreate this without a recipe to see how I can do it. Sometimes it's going to the grocery store and buying all of these ingredients, not knowing what you're really going to do with it until you get home and you just start, you know, using right. techniques. And before you know it, you have a dish. Um, so it's a lot of that. Man, I, it's crazy because I feel like I came up the same exact way as soon as I uh, left that restaurant. Uh, my ex, uh, she bought me this book uh, called The Culinary Institute of America. It's a big textbook. And basically, after kind of learning some of those techniques, I would just, you know, read the book, and the book would break it down exactly how to do it. I understood the French side of it. And then, you know, watching the Food Network, and also just like um, kind of just being broke a lot and, you know, being able to make something magnificent out of very right, little. Right, so right. so if you see my kind of uh, my my Instagram, I got a little bit of everything on there, but a lot of my food, it, it I always say if I had better tools, my food come out even better. But this is I work, right. I make the best of what I got and I use the French technique, even if I'm just kind of like, you know, making eggs and bacon or something like that, I can or just kind of take something like making bacon waffles or something like that and kind of just, you know, teasing it. But um, it's interesting as a chef. Well, I mean, I, I self-proclaim myself as a chef. I, I claim you to be a chef because I can see what you're doing and, I you know, I've seen the work you put out. But a lot of times people don't understand what's the difference between a cook and a chef. I want to hear your definition <laughs> and I'll get I'll give you wow. my I'll give you my definition but I want to hear your definition. Uh, it was definitely something I struggled with for a while to define. Because, you know, as someone who's always wanted to be a chef, but ne didn't necessarily have access through some of the traditional channels, I always felt a little intimidated by, you know, am I doing too much by calling myself a chef? These people went to culinary school. These people trained under whomever. These people, you know, learned from the line. You don't have any of those experiences. You just started a catering company cooking the things you knew how to make well already. You've just kind of gotten better over time. So are you going to call yourself a chef? And for the longest I did, my business card actually said aspiring chef. Before there was a catering company, I think the blog was called Making the Chef, kind of like Making the Bed. Mm. And I think I was dating someone at the time that was just kind of like... I was kind of booming a little bit. And they were like, if you don't take this shit off your business card, put chef on there. Because I don't care what you're calling yourself. People see you as a chef. The clients see you as a chef. Right. People are paying you for chef experiences. This is the work that you're doing. And so I know that you're trying to respect the title, respect people who had the, the traditional journeys to this career that you didn't get to have and wanted. But uh, that's what you are, sir. So you need to start calling yourself that. So it took me a long time to embrace that. Um, 
even for a while, my name on Instagram was just D. Arthur, and it took me maybe a couple of years before I added the chef to that because it just felt like you have to earn it somehow. Mm. Um, now, my definition is really challenging to define because, like I said, there's so many different paths to becoming a chef. Some people go to culinary school. And they go through that path and they come out and they think they're chefs. Some people studied under some of the best chefs in the country, or not even the best chefs, just studied, studied under some really talented chefs. And now they have so much knowledge and so they're chefs. There's some people who started off as a line cook and worked their way all the way up to the top and they did that extra hard work. And they're chefs. There's some people who were self taught, like myself. And they just kind of got better, and they used the resources before them to get better, and and they're chefs. And so I think there's no easy way to define it. I think that it, 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 I think what really defines it is your talent, your your how hard you're willing to work, your discipline, your your commitment to continue learning, um, your knowledge of technique, your knowledge of timing, just all of the different things it takes to produce at that magnitude. Um, at the point that you you got it, you just got it. Um, now there'll still be some people out there who will say that you're not a chef if you did X Y Z. But in my opinion, you you just have it or you don't. Because I know there's some people who you know went to culinary school and they're not the best. Or I know some people who you know had all of these experiences that I wanted to have and kind of like they're still reaching out to you for advice about different things. And so I had to release that just understand like your commitment to being better and to growing and to always learning and you can look back on your work and track your progress from when you first started to now and next year you'll be able to look at your work and see you know how far you've come I think that is what what really defines okay yeah I, I I agree with I agree with that um my personal definition basically a little bit uh Basically, a chef is the difference between a chef and a cook is a cook can cook good food. My grandma could cook good food. You know, my my mom was an okay cook. Um, I've taught my girl how to cook good food. Um, but the, I think the difference is a chef has a specific way of doing things, and they never break that way. Like, if you know, for whatever reason, you wanted to add the eggs before the flour or whatever when you're baking. You're going to continue to do that every time. If you sift the flour at a certain time, you're not going to skip that step. It's always in, in you know. And I think, you know, all the time, you learn, like, little shortcuts, too. Sometimes you're not always on. Sometimes, you know, you miss something, and you can kind of figure out shortcuts around it. But also, I think, like a chef, um, we're all about not wasting any steps in the kitchen. Like, if I go to the dishwasher, I'm grabbing something out, bringing it out. I'm grabbing a cutting board, a knife, this, that. I got a couple things in my hand, you know, and then I'm like methodically, okay, I need to cook this first in order to cook this, in order to do, like, that's kind of how I was taught. And you could tell the difference between, I guess, a chef and a cook because I feel like cooks cook good food, but they get a little bit more stressed out. And I feel like a chef is a little bit more about how you get there, not just the end result. It's about it's it's the fun and creativity and how to make, you know, the lasagna cupcakes. Like what was your mental process? You know, what 
you know, just the way you sprinkle the salt and just, you know, all the little things that kind of, to me, makes people the difference between a chef and a cook. I can absolutely subscribe to that. I just, just like, you know, I don't know. And, and I, like, it, it took me a long time to kind of learn that. It, it, it took me a couple, you know, uh, banging my head against the wall a little bit because, you know, but I, I think nowadays the, the culinary industry is, is kind of, see, I'm glad you had a good experience because me, I'm kind of like trying to be on my way out. I'd rather do a catering or uh, work on, you know, marketing restaurants, or helping vamp menus, um, doing kind of consulting work, uh, team building, stuff like that. Um, my, uh, my restaurant career wasn't as romantic. Uh, <laughs> I had a lot of uh, hard-headed chefs, no, uh, not very many black managers, and that kind of always, you know, bugged me. Um, but I love that fact that I could... Uh, I could always go back to this industry no matter what because I have the foundation in it. You know what I mean? Right, 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 right. But I'm kind of like, like if I'm not popping like you, like what you're doing and like making a name for yourself, I'm kind of like, ah, cooking for somebody for, you know, 10 years to maybe make sous chef. Ugh, that's a hard... Yeah, you see, I, and I, I never had any of those experiences. <laughs> Right. I've never, I've never worked on the line. Um, I've never worked for, you know, a restaurant. I truly started something without really trying to start something, and it took off. Um, and so, I know a lot of people who work, you know, in professional kitchens have similar story as yours. Like, ah, there has to be more to it than this. But I also know a lot of people who absolutely love it. Mm. But that, my journey, I, you know, I actually at some point thought about doing it just for the experience just to see what it's like mm. i know i could do it i, I just want to experience see it's just it's really all about the for me it's really all about the leadership style and the management style like i i i want somebody to manage me the way i'd want to be managed and that's if i were ever a manager that's what i'd want so like um, for instance, a lot of people want to tell you how to do things, but they don't want to like give you the creative freedom to like find your process, you know, whether it be the small implications on the line. So it's like, you know, a lot of times people hire you to solve problems. And so, you know, they want that, but then, you know, sometimes a lot of people can be over, I don't know, looking over your shoulder, standing over you while you work. And, you know, that's kind of like, you know, I don't see you haven't had the um, you haven't had that experience. But see, I'm used to like the kitchen, people doing drugs and people talking shit on the line. We're all like just cracking up fights on the line like that. You know what I mean? I'm kind of used to like more of that like speed. So it's kind of like I, I hear that's a pretty traditional experience of the line. Yeah. Yeah. A I lot mean, of people share that very same narrative. It's fun. It's fun. But I'm like, sometimes I'm like, damn, I want to like level up and it's hard to get that like good surrounding. So, uh, you know, kudos to you for, you know, starting your own business and being able to hire the people to, you know, that you want to work with that, you know, work well with you. Right. So um, I, I appreciate that. I, I appreciate that. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. What were we about to say? I, I recognize at some point that, um, that a lot of chefs really, uh, I mean, when you're in it, you don't realize 
what you're doing or the impact it has. You're just doing what feels right. You're trying to be happy. You're trying to reach this goal. And at some point, I registered that there were other chefs to be like, how do I do this? And what's interesting is that those were the chefs who had the experiences that I wanted. So these are the people who went to culinary school that had the knowledge from the line or, or trained under these other chefs. And I'm finding myself trying to be more like them. And they're just kind of like, no, nah, man, what you're doing is where it's at. How do I get here? Right. I didn't realize that until about maybe halfway through. Right, right. Um, so, I mean, speaking of of, of, of which... Um, who were who were some of your influences? I know you said there's the catering company in Atlanta that you shadowed, um, uh, or did a stagiaire as we call it. Um, who were who were some of your fa- your influencers in this game, in this culinary game, and also who's your uh, top five favorite uh, chefs? Omg, um, influences. So, like I said, I don't have a background so a lot of my influence came from outside of the traditional chef model uh, so I think first it would probably be my grandmother who was um, actually she was a nutritionist for several years mm. um, and so she walked she did a lot of food demos and stuff like that as I grew up and just cooked but she was also you know she wasn't a chef necessarily but she was kind of in the industry but always kind of admired what she did I had a lot of family members, like I had a family, my family in Dallas had a restaurant back in the day that I remember, um, my aunt had a restaurant in Memphis for a little bit, so my family kind of was in the industry a little bit, you know, mm. growing up, so I always kind of looked to that. Um, as far as chefs, um, let me think, because I get inspiration from all over the so it might not necessarily be a chef and I also find that my inspiration comes from the way things are presented more than you know the technique and all that kind of stuff I'm really really impressed by holistic presentation Mm. the styling of the plate the food propping the um, if it's photography the way the image is taken lighting is in so a lot of my inspiration comes from food bloggers because you get a lot more of that. Mm-hmm. Actual, actual chefs, you get a lot more plating design, you get propping, so they're just not going to put a, a plate on there. There's going to be a plate sitting on a cutting board sideways with lemons falling off of the cutting, you know, dumb stuff like that. I really, really right. appreciate and like. And so some of my favorite food bloggers would probably be... Um, Kitchenista on Instagram, um, Darius Cooks, uh, recently got into, I think it's Chef Renisha, I really like her work, and so a lot, you know, again, I don't have traditional chef background, so a lot of my background, a lot of my appreciation comes from people that I want to model, and so it would be more so those kind of people. Mm. Um, as far as, and I think the same answer applies to my top five favorites just because they are more in alignment with exactly what I want to do. When I'm watching, for example, there's some chefs who watch, uh, uh, what's the show? Uh, uh, Chopped? Geez, I haven't seen it on, on Food Network. Not Chopped, I love Chopped. The show on Food Network where it's like, uh, I mean, 
these guys have hella technique, and I can't think of the name of the show. And like sometimes it's about to play on there, and the food. Oh, and, Iron like, Chef. Yes, Iron Chef. So there's yeah. some chefs that look at Iron Chef, and they are like, "Oh my God, I want to do that." And then there are other chefs who probably look at like a food blogger make something and register with that. I'm on the latter. Like, I, I I like that more. Mm. Yeah, you know it's funny. Um, uh, a lot, a lot of those traditional chefs. Um, I do like one traditional chef, Thomas Keller. Uh, if you if you get a chance, check him out. He um, older white dude now. He owns the French Laundry in the Napa Valley, California, and just just his whole head. His his head is just constantly culinary. Like literally, this is like the coarse dishes that are just the frou frouest. Like using the tobacco smoke in a dish like crazy over the top tomato sorbet and just whatever you can think of like you know um like uh salmon and sage you know uh pate stuff like that just over the top but also very simple and he didn't come from a traditionally culinary background um uh, if you ever get a chance check out april bloomsfield uh, Britain doesn't have a lot of good chefs. I mean, I know there's Chef Ramsay, and I'm sure there's a lot of good ones, but you don't hear about them. And this chick is yeah, just... Yeah, they're not commercial. Right. And you don't hear about Britain food. You know, they have a lot of charcuterie and, like, a little bit of, like, fruits and beans. It's a little weird. Some of it's good, but, uh, you know, it's not, like, a culinary city. Um, but April Bloomsfield's from there, and she just... The way she could, like, use all of the parts, she, like use the tomato, use the stems to make a pesto, and then, you know what I mean, like, the potato skins are fried, and using that, and then the potato is a dip. Doesn't leave anything behind. Yeah, it's just amazing, it is it's simply amazing, so, um, you know, I gotta, I gotta shout out to my man Mark, Marcus Samuelson, you know, uh, oh, I, yeah, 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 I love yeah. his work. Uh, I'm not like, I don't, um, know his work too well but i do like his influence like swedish and ethiopian that's a really interesting like you could kind of play all over the board with that and um i actually was uh, uh benefited or uh, blessed enough to to actually serve the guy uh, i i made him a blood sausage with celery and a little cornish cornichon and it, i mean you know i was i was nervous as hell i had to replate the thing like five times <laughs> and you know he didn't finish it so. <laughs> you know he took a couple bites was like this is pretty good you know whatever <laughs> i'm balling oh wow you know so he actually um he has a spot here in new york that um i know a couple of people who work at mm. no and, and i was gonna ask you about that too um so what what was the culture shift from moving to there to brooklyn now i've been to new york i haven't really been to brooklyn i've been to the bronx manhattan and all that but I didn't really get a chance to go to Brooklyn. But I know that Brooklyn is kind of getting a lot gentrified. Um, it's very, like, mm-hmm. vegan-influenced. It's very gentrified. <laughs> so, I mean, what did you have any culture shock? And, and why why did you decide to do Brooklyn? Well, interestingly enough, I moved to Brooklyn three years ago to be a, a private chef for one of the Brooklyn Nets players. Mm. And so, again, it's another situation where I'm in the industry, but I'm not a part necessarily of the food scene just because I'm not in the kitchens with other chefs. I'm, chefs, I'm not 
I'm a part of the world, but I'm not a part of the world at the same time, if that makes any sense. Mm -hmm. I'm in someone's home Monday through Friday all day, and then on the weekends, I'm going back to Memphis Decatur, and then I'm back in New York cooking. And so, again, a lot of my experience has been very isolated to some degree. Um, But I will say the Brooklyn food scene, the New York food scene in general, general is very energetic mm-hmm. it will make you fall in love with food all over again mm-hmm. um, their you know their commitment to innovation up here is really exciting uh, you could go to a restaurant and and just see things paired together that you would have never imagined um, even though it's you know it is definitely getting gentrified and that's vegan but you could go to like I went to brunch I was fasting once and I wanted food but we wanted to go to brunch and we weren't we were doing a vegan thing and we found a a vegan Ethiopian brunch spot where I'm just kind of like you can't find that in a lot of places right Ethiopian and it's vegan and you can get brunch and so had that experience and it was amazing it was amazing and I feel like that was in Brooklyn that was a couple years back that might have been in Brooklyn as well and so it's just like those types of experiences you really can't get I'm not going to say you can't get anywhere, but, like, that's the beauty of New York. And they're just anywhere. You can just stumble upon them. You can go to a hole-in-the-wall bar, and it just looks like under normal circumstances all they would have is burger and fries and probably have one of the best meals they've ever had. I was at a bar. One of my homeboys is a chef, and they had, a, a, like, a faux taco. And I was just like, what is happening? I mm. um, And so it's just the food culture and energy is very exciting here. You there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, man, no. So when I, when I went to when I went to New York, um, so my my kind of mind state is a lot of people will spend a lot of money going to I don't know a Ruth Chris or whatever. Me, I, I will take that money and and uh, and eat something ethnic. I, instead of eating really fancy, I'd rather eat ethnic if that makes sense. So like right. Like I like I love Ethiopian food, my favorite. I love Nigerian food. I love Southern food. I love you know what I mean? And and I, Oh, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna say I actually, you know, at some point I wanted to go back to culinary school and to learn more. I'm just fascinated with learning as much as possible. But then I thought, instead of wasting all that money on culinary school, why don't you spend that money on like trips to these destinations and just kinda go to where they're actually doing it in a real way and learn from that. Right, right. You know, I, I, that's man. I mean, that that's exactly what I want to do. I'm kind of want to be like uh, that Black Anthony Bourdain is what I'm trying to claim to be. Um, <laughs> I received that for you, brother. <laughs> I appreciate that. No, um, well, um, so yeah, when I was in New York, I was fortunate enough to um to uh stay in the bronx you know and i'm from seattle and and the culture out here is so very white um it's very um open-minded it's not really ghetto you don't really i mean there's some ghettos that are outside of seattle but it's not really like you can kind of walk anywhere at any time crime is like random it's never like gang crime or anything um so when i went to the bronx it was a total culture shock just you know, black people everywhere, and, like, you know, people just doing stuff, and just New York in general, Harlem, and, you know, Lower East Side, and all that, and, 
um, I got to fortunately go to this place, a Jamaican place, and it was on White Plains Road. I'll never forget it. And, you know, they say in New York, you should never have the same food twice because there's so much to eat from. I went to this little shack, this little Jamaican shack twice. This food was so freaking good. I literally got this little box of jerk chicken. It was like five bucks. And it was like a little it's old so rack. Cheap. Huh? Yeah. It's so cheap here. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's expensive shit out there, but it doesn't have to be your journey. Exactly. You amazing meal for very low here. Exactly, and and man, I it was it was just a little jerk chicken, the spicy sauce, and she was so sweet, well, sweet older lady, and you know, it was just like, hey, boom, boom, it was quick, and I just remember, like, you know, my experience as far as food culture in New York. Um, as a chef, I kind of like saw that, like, you ever go to a place and the front of house is way too nice? It's like too nice, and you're like. Hmm. Like you're kind of. I don't know. You kind of spend. There's some places that can do both, right? They have just a crazy budget. They can buy nice linen. They can buy nice drapes. They can, you know, have servers and tuxedos and stuff, and then they can have good food. But most of the time, you're usually cutting the corners on one way or the other. So a lot of times, if I go into a place and it's too nice, I'm like, the food might not be that good. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I kind of ate like I kind of ate like that in New York, where it's just like it kind of been a dingy little spot, but it was the food was just I could taste life, you know what I mean? I, I absolutely know what you mean, and that's what I meant by the food culture here is just so exciting uh, because you can literally just walk down the street and just pick spot at random and have such an amazing color. Yeah. I mean, and they tell you not to eat the same thing twice, but then it's like you fall in love with it. So then you find that you're eating it all the time. So right. Now I have to be intentional about not falling into like food patterns here because uh, it's so good. It's so good, and you're limiting yourself. And once you found something you like, you latch onto it. But it's like no, keep finding things. Um. Okay. So, quick question: Are you a fan of the chopped cheese? Listen. <laughs> listen, 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 listen. No, for real though. Listen, listen. So, I live in Brooklyn, and there's bodegas all around with this chopped cheese. And my first time, my roommates, it was like three o'clock in the morning. We were drunk, and they were like, "I'm about to go get a chopped cheese." And everybody sounded so excited about this chopped cheese. And I was like, what do they do to the cheese? How is it chopped? Like, tell me more about right. this cheese. Because in my mind, it's, it's fucking cheese. Right. Well, it's like a sloppy joe meets uh, a Philly cheese steak meets uh, a grilled cheese meat. It's just like the perfect marriage of greasy, beefy, cheesy goodness at 3 o'clock in the morning. And they are amazing. And I'm mad that I didn't know what it was. <laughs> I, I I actually didn't get a chance to try one. Honestly, the, the a lot of times they'll use French dressing, and that kind of turned me off a little bit. I'm like, oh, I don't know, but I think... You're going to the wrong spot. Right. I've not seen anybody use any dressing. Mmm. And that's three bodegas within walking distance from my house. I, I, if I wasn't on the podcast, I would stick my head out to my roommates right now. They just asked me about a chopped cheese on this podcast. Because <laughs> uh, uh, they had one last night, and I fell asleep, but I didn't get one. But they're that good. And if I just I don't watch them make it, but I know that 
dressing and it sounds wrong. <laughs> yeah, then there was just somebody else who told me that, so I wasn't sure. But next time I go there, I definitely got to go to the raunchiest uh, little bodega and be like, yeah, chopped cheese, bacon, let me get that, you know. And yeah, I, You know, I haven't had dinner yet, and I feel like I deserve one. <laughs> that was my next question. If you if you already ate yet, and what you about to go get? <laughs> What'd you say? I was I said that was my next question. If if you already ate yet, and what are you about to go get? I have not eaten today. Only really juice, and so I'm starving. And um, I really want some really good ramen, but mm. somebody recommended a ramen restaurant here, and it's in the city, so that's not happening tonight. Yep. Nope. So, <laughs> so I might just get um, I'm also not trying to be Too thick or Thick around here So I might not get the chopped cheese But I really really want it I might just find something halfway healthy mm. So um, so You're going to have you fat <laughs> Right no, and uh, my go-to there was, um, if it wasn't that jerk chicken, it was a lot of um, Euro spots. Like a lot of, because uh, you can get the, the $4 Euro all day. I was just, oh my God. That's so good. From the, from the truck? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so good. Yeah. And they'll just slap, boop, 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 boop. It's just like literally two minutes, a minute. Boom. And you it's got three. It's and it's cheap, and you're full. And it's good. It's halal. Yeah, man. I love it. It's so good. It's so good. So, uh, being a chef, man, what is uh, what's one of your a couple of your favorite dishes to make? I know my answer to this is is pretty patenty, but it's really an authentic answer, and I say it a lot. But I don't have a favorite dish to make. Mm-hmm. What I like about cooking is creating, is learning, is exploring new ingredients, new recipes, new dishes, uh, which is the challenging part about catering because people get attached to something, and then you're reproducing the same thing over and over again in bulk. And so it gets very draining and it gets boring and then you find yourself kind of in a rut. And so what I truly enjoy about it is recreating. People always say all the time, you don't eat your own food. I'm just like, not unless I'm really making something. Now, if I'm cooking at home for myself, uh, then yes, I'm eating my own food. But if I'm cooking for an event or for a client, and it's something that I make all the time because people say that I make this really, really well, I'm not even going to touch it. Like, I taste it to make sure it tastes okay, and sometimes I'll even spit it back out because I just have no desire for it. But mm. something new, something fresh, something I've never... I'm excited about creating something. Mm. And uh, so that's, that's... I know it sounds like very, like, world peace, but that's my very true answer. No, 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 no. It makes sense. It makes sense because I know what I'm going to ask you next. What are you making for yourself? Um... Tonight, nothing. The last thing I cooked for myself was I, I went to the grocery store and I just started putting stuff in the cart. And I had no real process. Not process. I had no real agendas for what the meal was going to be. I just know that I really wanted to use fish sauce. I wanted to really explore fish sauce because it's not an ingredient that I've used a lot. Mm. And a friend of mine made this burger with fish sauce. And I was like, this is the best damn burger I've ever had. Mm. And I said, let me play around with fish sauce. I've explore with that a little bit so I'm just I'm putting onions and bell peppers and carrots and uh, I got flank steak and I'm just adding stuff to the basket and so and I get tomatoes and so garlic and so I get back home and I'm chopping stuff and I'm 
making sauces and the tasting the fish or you know sauce and so it turned out to be a really really good meal i don't have a title for it i don't even know what to call it mm-hmm. it's really pretty it tasted really amazing but i just literally bought ingredients the only ingredient that was a requirement was the fish sauce and it turned into something really amazing mm. that's what i get excited about right and, and that's crazy because I, I mean i feel like i think the same way too because like, um, I'll see a traditional recipe, you know, and then I'm like, hmm, how could we just, like, hinder this? How could I, or excuse me, hinder, uh, how could I enhance this? How could I, you know, what could I do? Oh, instead of using bread, let's try to fry some eggplant and use that as the bread or just anything. And um, my girlfriend, I've, I've, I kind of um, have this thing against picky eaters because... You know, food is such a way to explore. Food is a roller coaster. You know, you don't have to leave your house to go to Korea. You don't got to leave your house to go to Ethiopia. I mean, you still need to to enhance, experience the culture. But, I mean, to even get, like, a taste of the culture, you know, there's so many options out there. And so when when, when I hear people are picky eaters, oh, I don't eat this, I don't eat that, um, it, I kind of like, ah, you know, as a chef, my job is to make you like these things that you never thought you would like. Right. You know, I, right. I, I don't like sweet potatoes or whatever, so I'm going to, you know, I'm going to try and make some bomb-ass sweet potato pie or fries or something, you know, uh, gratin or something like that. I'm going to cook it in a way that makes you appreciate it. Right. Right. Yeah, no, Um, one of my go-to dishes just at home is kind of a Dutch baby. Have you ever heard of that? I have not. So basically, it's it's basically like a German pancake, uh, a deflated souffle, if you will. It, it's okay. super simple. Um, you could just Google the recipe. It's just like eggs, flour, and I think water or milk, just whisk, and you know, you make it, and you kind of top it with like powdered sugar, lime, and lemon. It's super interesting. It's a really eat like a good like. It looks good for how easy it is to make, if you know what I mean. Gotcha. So, um, man, tell me a little bit about growing up. Uh, did you, you know, what what was it like growing up? And because uh, I could, I could tell a lot from your um, your dishes. I could just see a lot of family in it. And you said that when I asked you. So, like, what you know? Just give me like a, you know, what was Chef De Arthur? Um, you know, what was he like as a kid? What? Um, so I was that kid, first of all, I'm not athletic at all. <laughs> so I was always that kid that had to be forced to go outside. I preferred to be in the house, in the air condition, in grown folks' business, in the kitchen, watching TV. And so uh, I'm not going to say I was a loner. I'm just going to say that I didn't really... I lived. I, I grew up in a neighborhood full of boys. It was all boys, and maybe one or two girls. So it was all boys, and they just wanted to play basketball and all this kind of stuff all day. And I wasn't good at any of that. So I just found myself isolated a little bit, a lot. Mm. And uh, how, how can one say a little bit and a lot? But yeah, <laughs> so I wasn't completely isolated. But um, and so I think a lot of that. Is, I, I joke now, but that's where a lot of my love for food came from because I'm always in the kitchen I'm always under my mom watching her in the kitchen because uh, that was a peaceful 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 space for me so a lot of my love for it stems from there and her letting me play around and she was telling me the other day because somebody was asking me this question and I had forgotten about it how I used to just like stick my fingers in her seasoning she was mm. like you don't want me to just put that on something so you can taste it nope I just eat it right because I was fascinated by 
how all of them tasted so uniquely different. How some of them, you know, we're familiar with what salty things taste like, and we're we're drawn to that. But like cumin, for example, like an eight year old tasting cumin, being like, this doesn't taste like anything wonderful by itself, but being fascinated by how the marriage of all of those things mm-hmm. uh, created something beautiful. And so, um, it was those types of things that kind of made me fall in love with cooking. You could put all of these things together that you wouldn't even think go together. And they made, like, I remember, you know, my mom was making spaghetti sauce for one one time, and she put, watched her put mustard in it. And I was kind of like, that's just, you know, you put mustard on hot dogs and hamburgers. And she went into some spiel about the acid, yada, 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 yada. And eight-year-old me eats this final product of the spaghetti expecting to taste mustard. And it's... The mustard flavor is nowhere to be found. What is here is a perfect blend of flavors, spices, and herbs. Mm. Marries them all, that combines them all perfectly. And so it was those types of things that intrigued me. And a lot of it just started in my mom's house, or my grandma's house, my godmom, my aunt's cook, grandparents. Like, we eat well. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. We eat very well. All right, key question here. Key question. Key question here. Um, did you have, did, was the spaghetti separate from the pasta or was it all together? We're from the South. It's all together. Thank you. Thank you. It's all together. Thank you. I, I just, it's funny because, I mean, not to be like one way or nothing, but I always notice white people always do the spaghetti sauce separate and the noodles. I never had it like that in my life. Well, I think that's probably the true Italian way to do it. Um, but no, we mix it all in there. It's like it all together, yeah. It's like a casserole. And I also think mm-hmm. that you know, in the south, spaghetti also can be a side item. I think a lot of people are also by that because spaghetti is supposed to be an entree. But no, we will have like <laughs> chicken some greens and some spaghetti, and the spaghetti is oh, in the backseat to the chicken. Yeah. Wow. I yeah. I would be yeah. But I mean, I'm a I'm a big foodie, and I got a big stomach. I can just, I love, I love eating. I, man, it's literally, it's like one of the only times I could shut off my mind and just go into the zone and, you know, think about nostalgia or, you know, just anything, shut my mind off and just eat. I just, it's one of my favorite, um, things actually last night. I kind of, um, you, it's funny. You were saying you like chopped, uh, that's kind of how I cooked a lot because being broke. And so I'm like, Oh, I have a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Let me uh, let me put it all together. So I kind of just threw a bunch of veggies in a crock pot with some like a little bit of meat and um, some spices uh, that we got from this local spice shop. And um, I had some collard greens, so I cut them up. And man, it turned out to be a really good soup. I put a bone in there. I started with the chicken broth, and it was just you know I'm trying to eat more ketogenic. So a lot less carbs, just more protein and veggies type of style. So, I mean, it's really interesting cooking different styles, cooking vegan. I did I did uh, work at a restaurant, a vegan restaurant too, and I cook a, I cook vegan food when I'm broke, when I'm really broke, and I could cook vegan food like the best of them. But I don't gotta make any fake meat or anything. I literally can just cut up yeah. veggies, spice them up well, grill them, fry them, salt them, whatever. All the soy is no good for you anyway. You said all the what? All the soy and a lot of those uh, processed vegan meals, they're no good for you. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. I honestly, that's, 
uh, one thing that I don't eat is tofu. I just I just don't do that anymore. Um, I've had it bomb, but man, tofu will give me such a stomach ache. <laughs> yeah, I don't enjoy it at all. It's just not good for you. No, it's not good at all. Whenever I do vegan, I try to commit to eating real vegetables as much as possible. Right, right. A little avocado toast or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey man, you're man, you man. I'm so glad to have you on, man. I I, we, I could go on with you Absolutely. for hours, and I'm definitely I'm definitely gonna have you back, and we're gonna just shoot the shit all night about some some food shit. But man, uh, um, <clears throat> I want to uh, ask you one last thing. Um, what is you got a message to any of the young chefs, any young black chefs out there? Um, that are trying to come up and they're in, you know, whatever situation and they see you and they see you, you know, grinding out there and they want to know how they could do it. You know, what would you tell them? Um, a couple of pieces of advice. Um, the first thing I would say is definitely do it, do it for the love of it. It's a, a very hard career. It's always, it's not always the most rewarding, um, it is a career where it is both very intensely physical and mental. You know, some jobs are just mental and you have to be smart all day. Some jobs are just physical where you have to do labor all day. It is definitely a combination of both. Right. Um, and so you have to really, really love it. And I think right now with social media being at its peak with uh, there being the food network and then the cooking network, so many other different platforms now have cooking TV shows there's so m- that desire to be famous uh, or to be a celebrity uh, or to be known uh, you can't do it for that because <laughs> that won't sustain you when you're at the kitchen at 3 o'clock in the morning trying to produce all of this food uh, it won't sustain you when you're on the line and you're tired and people are cursing and you're fast paced and nobody cares what you're going through you gotta get it done um, so you have to really, 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 really want it. And I know a lot of people out here, not a lot of people, but there are people out there these days that don't really, really want it. They just kind of want to play around with it or they can cook really, really well if they think it's something they want to do. And so just make sure that it's something that you're really passionate about because it's not easy work. Um, mm-hmm. And depending on which, what your method is to it or what your journey is in it, it's not always the most uh, financially stable work depending on you know which it's, it's just it's not to say make it seem like a sucky career at all it's an amazing career i love it i've done it professionally for seven years now but you have to really 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 want to do mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um second thing is like i said earlier don't be afraid to learn your commitment to always learning needs to be at the forefront i don't care how talented you are I don't care who you studied under. I don't care what you know. There's always something to be learned. There's always someone who may not even have as much experience as you who can teach you something. So always be willing to learn. Never think it's just such hot shit that you're beyond uh, being educated about. Right. Um, and then last but not least is have fun with it. That's the whole purpose. You get to be creative. You get to create plates. You get to create experiences figure out how to make it your own. Now, I think that's why I've been as successful as I have been is because I committed to figuring out how to do it in a way that was authentic to myself. 
I create event spaces that I would want to attend. I create food that I wanted to eat. Like I said, there's chefs who are so into technique and all that kind of stuff, and I recognize but while I enjoy technique and knowing what I'm doing, that's not really my lane. My lane is creating an elevated version of food that I would appreciate, creating places that I actually want to eat. Um, and I just stay true to that. And that has rendered amazing results. And so I, I would challenge you to do the same, not trying to fall into a lane, create the space you want to see. If, you know, if you want to start something, start it and try it out. Man, <laughs> man, I really, I agree with that. Especially, especially the, the, you gotta love it because, you know, I want to tell kids out there, um, you know, you got to find your own romance in, in the, in the industry because sometimes you might not find the traditional romance that you see uh on tv you know with the the frou-frou dishes it takes a lot of work to get to that point right <laughs> you know what like i'm saying before you get to that point you have to be up to i can only speak from the catering aspect but you know i know a lot of people who think that oh i'll just start gelling plates and it's just kind of like it's, it's just not that simple love you have to you know be up to three o'clock in the morning you know cooking all of this chicken because you only have an oven big enough for it and then you have to figure out you can't just put it in the fridge and go home and go to sleep you gotta let it cool out like it's four o'clock in the morning where it's nothing but you and this chicken and dirty dishes and you're tired but mm. you still have the event the next day you have to love it mm. Mm. <laughs> and i'm sure whatever your version of a chef is whether you're on the line whether you're executive chef whether you're a food blogger there's some version of this that is extremely challenging and you're going to have to love it to do it you're not always going to be compensated well to do it you're not always going to be applauded you could do your best work and a client can still find some silly shit to say or complain about mm -hmm. or reason to want a discount and you're going to have to Man, I agree, man. Man, hey, man, I really appreciate you, you know, coming on the Kitchen Couch platform and just chopping it up with me, man. And I'm definitely going to have you on. We're going to shoot the breeze all night about some food. Um, tell us Let's how do it, man. Seattle is one of my favorite cities. So I definitely, when I'm there again, we definitely have to connect. Oh, Maybe man. Show me where to, where to go eat. Oh, my. Anytime I'm there, I just eat at uh, uh, the market on the water. Uh, a uh, pike place and the pier pike and all place. that, yeah. yeah oh, I never really explored further than that. Oh man, you gotta go do Chinatown and uh, there's spots all over. There's there's just little spots all over. But man, I definitely will. Uh, I'll, I'll plug you in. I'll tap in when you're in the city, man. I got you. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, my brother. Tell them where we can find you. All right, so you can find me at www.chefdarthur.com. That's C-A-C-F-D-A-R-T-H-U-R.com. You can find me on Instagram. Um, there's always something going on there. It's just underscore D-Arthur spelled the same way. Those are my two primary sources of uh, contact. You can latch on to my phone number or email address or any other type of contact message for me. Okay. All right, my brother. Hey, thank you so much. Hey, stay on the line. Um, Will do. Hey, that thank was you for having me. Hey, no problem. Hey, that was my brother, Chef DeArthur, man. You could go check him out. You heard his website, ChefDeArthur.com. Uh, you find him on Instagram, and yeah, man, I'm out. Peace. 
You ask me why I'm gumbo root, I tell you cause I wait till the black. Feel me? AKA Nathan Nice, AKA Light Skin Bourdain. He been where I been, I been where he been. He ain't been where I been, I ain't been where he been. Feel me? So. <laughs> yeah. And people always ask me what type of black I am, man. They're like, oh, you're not, are you black? Are you black? My nigga, I'm straight out of Russia black, bro. Don't fuck with me, okay? Bad day. Vladimir slapped the. All right, anyway, uh, thank you to Chef to Arthur for uh, tuning in and um, giving me, donating and blessing me with some of his time. This has got to be one of the best interviews I've had. I had really good content, really uh, good chef's perspective from this guy. So, you know, this guy's doing big things. I can't wait to pull up on him when I'm, you know what I'm saying, and say what's up and uh, try some of his meals. So, yeah, you can get at this brother at Chef to Arthur, Chef underscore D-A-R-T-H-U-R. And uh, you already know about me at Nathan Nice at the Kitchen Couch. Questions, comments, concern. Thanks for bumping. Ahalo.